Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. We are having children's ministry throughout the summer during first service only. So all those kids are already there, apparently. Perfect. So wanted to just give you a heads up about the connection card. You can let us know. Uh, any 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 changes of information that you have, any needs that you have, any prayer requests that you have, any updates that you have, we would love to find out about that through this connection card. Also, if there's anything in the announcements that you need to sign up for, you can use that. You can use the connection card that should be in the seat pocket in front of you to sign up for that. So, today we have a, a guest speaker, and I'll introduce him in a minute. And with, whenever we have a guest speaker, we, 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 we will take the offering at the end of, of service uh, just in, in order to be able to accommodate if you feel led to be able to give a gift, designate guest speaker or today's speaker on the, on the form in, in your seat pocket, and we can make sure that gets where it needs to be. But I wanted to mention, uh, since, since we're giving the offering at the end, tithes and offerings. I wanted to just draw our attention really quickly. I felt the Lord draw me to this this morning of a passage in Luke 21 where uh, it's, a, it's a pretty classic story and, and I want to just call our attention to what Jesus notices. Notice what Jesus notices here in Luke 21. It says, And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in her two small copper coins. And he said, And he said, Truly I say to you, speaking to the disciples, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they out of their surplus put in into the offering, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. And while some were talking about the temple, that it was adorned with beautiful stones and votive gifts, he said, As for those these things which you are looking at, the days will come in which there will not be left one stone upon another which will not be torn down. So, Jesus is sitting with his disciples on a ledge, apparently, and they're, and they're watching people coming in and out of the temple. And you can imagine, the disciples are noticing things, and they're, and they're noticing the large, clanky, noisy sums of, of money that are being put into the, to the offering, and, and, the, and the recognition that, that the rich are getting. But Jesus, from a kingdom perspective, notices something different. He notices the consistent offering, the sacrificial offering of a, of a woman in poverty who says, this is a gift. Not obligation, not, not anything more, but this is, this is the widow's gift. And I just, just was drawn to that this morning when I think about what the Lord invites us into. A life of generosity, a life of abundance where we can freely give as we've been freely given. Where we can release what, what he's already given to us. And so I just want to encourage us with that picture, with that perspective, that God sees, notices different things. He, he doesn't notice w- always what we notice. But he does, what we know from this story is God does notice and call attention to the consistent and sacrificial gift of, of a poor widow. And enough to where it's, it's, a, it's a central part of, of the Gospels. He draws our attention to that. So as we take our offering at the end of service, we'll pray for it then, but just allow that perspective to 
to sink in. So a couple announcements as we continue to move forward. You all should have gotten, if it, with your bulletin this morning, you all should have, should have gotten an event sheet attached to the back of it. I just want to point out a few things that are going on in this event sheet. One thing is Wellspring School of the Heart starts again in September, September 9th. Last year we started it in the spring. This year we start it in the fall. And I will be just longing for every one of you to take that, this, this school. This is a, a powerful, just, just life-shaping school of ministry that we're going to start in the fall. So check that out on your event calendar, September 9th. We'll start talking about that a little bit more in the coming weeks. Uh, but wanted to draw your attention to that. Also wanted to draw your attention to August 26th. We're having church at the camp, which is something we've done for a number of years, but the timing is different. It's going to be an afternoon service, so the whole day is going to be kind of flopped where we're going to get there around 2 p.m. and, and go up until 6, but there's going to be some free time involved at the end. So make sure to note that, mark that in your calendars, August 26th. And you can look over the rest of the stuff. It's, it's things that we do regularly, but wanted to draw your attention to the event calendar. Also wanted to mention, did, you, did everyone see the amazingly cool Serve Leaders wall out in the, in the foyer? Can we give a round of applause for Tori Webb putting that together? I know she wasn't planning on being honored, but I wanted to honor her. She worked hard this week on getting that together, and I think it's really cool. If you haven't seen that yet, if you haven't looked closely at all the descriptions of, of the different serve leaders and different teams, please do, and consider where God might be asking you, be challenging you to, to serve, to plug in, to get connected here at New Day. All right, a couple more things. Discipleship Track Core starts J- June 18th, so not this Monday, but next Monday it starts. So if you're interested in that, please mention that on the connection card or talk to Kathy Spaulding, who's right over here, and she can uh, find, give you more information on that. That'll be a midday class at her house. One last thing, this Friday we're having worship encounter at Vine. It's an extended time of worship with, uh, with just a, just a, the focus is just to spend time together as a community in the presence of God for an extended period of time for, and allow for God to move and have his way in our life. Often we can be so busy in our lives that, that it's hard to pause and just stop and just breathe. But we want this to be a monthly time where we have a time together to slow down and to worship and to, and to reprioritize things if necessary. So that starts this Friday at 645 at the Vine campus. All right. So without further ado, I want to invite up guest speaker, Pastor Rick Oldland. He is a pastor in England, in Blackpool, is it? So the, the west side of England, and he's with us this morning to, to share with us. He's a, he's a pastor, he's a leader in the Partners in Harvest Network, which is the network of churches that we're connected with. So could everyone give him a, a warm welcome as, as he comes up this morning to share with us? Thanks, Rick. Thank you very much. Well, good morning, family. How are we doing? Are we okay? Um, by a few minutes from now, you'll have sort of dialed into the accent a little bit, and uh, apparently I'm the foreigner who, with a strange accent, but, uh, you know, who knows? Um, I want to share with you this morning about winning your personal battles, and uh, when we think about 
Ooh, technology. Down is forward. Okay, so we just had a prophetic word there that lower still is how we advance in the kingdom. All right. Down is forward. Everyone say it. Down is forward. All right. Um, <coughs> my kids would have groaned at that one, you know. <laughs> Not again, Dad. Yeah. So uh, give you a dad joke while I'm here for the younger members. Um, I was in uh, the airport. Actually, you need to be a little bit sciency for this one. I was in the airport the other day, and uh, in front of me was a photon. And he gets to the security guy at the at the desk, and he says, uh, "Sir, do you have any uh, any baggage?" And he says, "No, I'm travelling light." Okay, ask someone; they'll explain it to you. <laughs> they get worse. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. So um, yeah, we're going to be looking at the whole issue of winning your personal battles, and the reason that that's important is. Um, one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that if you lose your battles on a consistent basis, that only affects you. But actually, the, the, you know, it's a team win and it's a team lose. The Bible's very clear on that. That when we walk together, we support one another, we build one another up in the faith, that something gets built together that the Lord comes and lives in. And, uh, you know, God is here today. You know, Psalm 22 tells us that he stands in the midst of the congregation and sings of the Lord's uh, goodness. And today the Lord Jesus is with us right now looking for a people to come together as living stones. So if you were to go home today and find there was a big hole in your wall um, and it was raining, you, you'd want to do something about that. If you were trying to keep a, a defensible structure and the gate was off or a gate was open, you'd want to do something about that. And there was a time in the history of Israel when the walls were down and the gates were burnt and anybody could come and go as they chose. Enemies could come in amongst the people of God, plunder and take what they wanted. So we have to get to the point in our Christian experience and in our maturity as Christians where we say it actually matters that I'm on point, that I'm wearing my armor, that I'm taking my stand against the enemy and that I'm winning my battles. Could you imagine what it would be like for us if Jesus had not won his personal battles? We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here today, not just, okay, we won't be in church, we'll be playing golf, but no, 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 probably the world would not be here today. But Jesus was the, the pioneer and the author of our faith. Jesus is the prototype son of God. He's the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So you say, well, how do I live this Christian life? Then, okay, follow Christ. Do what Jesus did. Learn from him. Anyone done in this place today an apprenticeship? That should be every hand up. Okay, we're all apprentices, aren't we? We're all on an apprenticeship. We're all learners of Jesus. And the whole, should I hold it a bit closer? Is that better? All right, do as you told, Rick. Um, and so, you know, the whole journey of the Christian faith is, is to learn from our mistakes and to learn to win. And, and my younger son, uh, Josh, that Jimmy's met in, when he came to Canada, he's a, he's a rugby player. 
And he goes out on the field, he plays rugby. Rugby is not soccer. Soccer, as we all know, is that lady game that gets played, sometimes by men, I don't understand that. Um, but real football is played here, and the other real football is called rugby in the United Kingdom, okay? And the other game that's um, just, I, I struggle to describe, is, is, you know, 90 minutes of pretending you're injured. You see, American football and rugby is, is in the UK, it'd be 80 minutes of pretending you're not injured. So you can keep going. And uh, the point of rugby is there's going to be contact, hard contact with the other team. And uh, my son, part of his sort of re relaxation is he'll go on YouTube just to watch what he calls the big hits. And um, he's not talking about music. Um, He's talking about when some guy picks some other guy up and dumps him outside the line. And, um, you know, in the Christian faith, one of the things that we need to understand is that we signed up for something. We signed up for a life in which there will be um, battles to be won. And if, if someone never told you that or softened or tuned down or dialed down, the Christian faith to the point where you never heard that this was the truth, then I'm sorry for that. And, and maybe, you know, after today you'll realize either one way or the other, you should either be in or out. I hope it's in because in is where the life is. And, um, you know, one of, I used to work on a lifeboat and one of the things that we would do is we'd give people a tryout and we'd take them out in bad weather at night. And bad weather on a lifeboat at night is, is kind of like a Disney ride. You know, your feet leave the ground, you go weightless for a bit, you don't know why, and then suddenly, you know, the boat gets down the wave, and bam, you're down on the other side. And it's really great. And you find out quite quickly whether people are ready to, to go out in any weather. And uh, there was a boat on a lake at one point with a few guys in it who were fishermen. And they had with them this other guy who wasn't a fisherman. He was a... Um, um, what would you call it over here when you do building repairs? Construction guy. He owned, a he owned a construction company. We tend to say that Jesus was a carpenter and think he made furniture. Uh, he did, but, but really what it means, and he, he was an artisan and he owned his own business and his business was to build stuff. Jesus is in the building industry and he wants to build you strong. And he went out with his guys on, on a boat in, a, in, in the Lake of Galilee. And, uh, you know, the storm happened, didn't it? We know that story. But um, Jesus had already come to a place in his life before that event where he had won some personal battles. And we're going to look at one of those now, right at the beginning of his ministry. So if you have a Bible, turn, turn with me to Matthew 4. Can we just move this up on here, please? Old guys need the print a bit closer, you see. Then I can, you know, give it one of them. Okay. Yeah, you, where we need to be just before chapter 4, oddly enough, is chapter 3. Today's revelation for you. Um, and so Jesus is baptized, and he'd spent a long, 
chunk of his life, the majority of his life, in relative obscurity. He was obviously a, a known guy and a loved guy, but in terms of his ministry of the word, that was just beginning. Then Jesus came to Galilee, verse 13 of chapter 3, uh, uh, to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this and fulfill all righteousness. Jesus identifies with his new uh, job description, which is to be a, a or the minister and embodiment of the word. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or remaining on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Isn't that just the place where we want to live under the affirmation of the Father in the central event of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We just want to stay there. And, and, and so we, we kind of construct in our mind a view of Christianity that's going to be, ah, oh, this is just amazing. God's with me all the time, and it's awesome. How about God being with you and picking you up by the scruff of the neck and throwing you into adversity? Okay? God wouldn't do that. He's a gentleman. I, you know, where did that come from? Was it some crazy English person that said God is a gentleman because it's just culturally an irrelevant thing to say God's not a gentleman God is God you know he's a scary big guy who creates and holds the universe together to be a playpen to bring into existence sons and daughters of the living God God isn't even in heaven do you understand sorry I'm getting a little bit theological on you now um, God created the heavens and the earth Okay, he, he can inhabit the praises of his people on earth. He can inhabit the praises of heaven, but he is more than heaven and earth. Okay, he creates those things and holds them in his hands. This is who God is. You know, God's holding the molecules together right now that, that, that have formed your body. God has decided that you can still have breath in your body today. He has not yet required your life of you. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Life that you have, Discipleship 101, is not your life. It belongs to the Lord. He gave you life and he will ask for that life. And with the life, he will ask for a receipt to, to show how you spent it. What did you do with the life I gave you? So we're already becoming a little bit countercultural, aren't we? We're already starting to hit... Um, the British dream, never mind the American dream. That, that there is actually a call upon us. You see, as soon as you take this message out there, it starts to shake, rattle and roll the assumptions of the culture. I'm not just talking about old people or young people. Every culture will grow into and be formed around the heart. And the heart, the human heart, the emotions, the mind, the intellect, the Bible says are deceitful above all things. Okay? So, so we, we have a propensity to, we have a, a turning towards uh, sin. Okay? So you drive your car with a flat tire or a brake that's binding 
let go of your steering wheel, what's going to happen? It's going to pull in a direction, isn't it? We are pulled in the direction of, of stupid. Okay? No one has to train a child to be naughty. You don't do that one, do you? You, 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 you kind of get hold of the wheel and you're trying to keep it to center. And until there is a radical surgery in that we are born again and we are given a new heart and God takes out our heart of stone and puts a new heart and a new mind in us, we will always pull towards sin. Now, some of you believers in Jesus Christ kind of feel that, well, my life always does that. It's still doing that and it'll do that to the end of, of my existence on this planet. To some degree, that's true. But as soon as we have been born again, we have made a shift. The Bible says that without being born again, you are a slave to sin. Okay, you are bound by the dominion of darkness. Okay, you're in that place. This is, go and find this in the Bible. You are held captive by your sin and by the law to judgment and to condemnation and to a guilty conscience. But when we're born again, the Bible says that the grave, our spiritual grave opens. We are born into a new life, born of the Spirit. You are given a new heart and a new mind. And now you are free from the dominion of darkness. Okay, so where does that put us? It puts us where Adam and Eve were in the garden. You see, prior to sin, Adam and Eve could choose right from wrong. When they fell into sin, they lost their ability in Adam, all have sinned. They lost their ability to be free. And so what happened to them was they became a slave. And they were bound over to wrongdoing. Prior to that, they were free to choose right from wrong. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as a born-again saved, washed in the blood Christian person today, you have been set free. Someone say amen. You are free to choose right from wrong. So if you continue to do stupid, that's your choice that you are making. But you are free in Christ to choose life, to choose the better way to go to choose to come into his presence as you're choosing to do so today. But to do that requires that you win your personal battles. It requires that you learn how to contend with temptation and evil. And, and to do that, you need to begin with a few things under your belt, and we're going to look at those. And so here's Jesus, having just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus has a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's encouraging for us, isn't it? Hello. <laughs> Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because he needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So go after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go after the more of God. I remember the first time I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I have been baptized many times in the Holy Spirit. We go on drinking. We go on receiving. We go on asking, seeking, knocking. We go on to coming to the Father and saying, Father, I want bread today, please. I don't want a stone. I don't want a scorpion. I don't want a snake. I want the food of heaven. 
We have to keep doing that, and we keep picking up on a daily basis. The revelation of God, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we can do that every day. So if I were to ask you a simple question right now, here's a thermometer-type question, is, okay, do you have a testimony of what God has done in your life this week? Don't want an answer. And if you're, if you're sort of drawing a blank now and you're sort of shuffling down, oh no, he's going to ask me for a testimony. Okay, here's the deal. You can leave this place today saying these things. Father, I want a revelation of your presence in my life this week. I want to see the hand of God upon my life in some way. And so you keep knocking on the door. You keep asking. You keep seeking until you know you are in a commune with God. You're in a relationship with him. Okay, and that's kind of the bread of the children. That's what we should have in the room. When we ask for testimonies, there should be a line of people standing up. And it can be anything. It can be, well, you know, uh, uh, my car got fixed and it was $100 less than they said it was going to be. I prayed for this person on the bus. I spoke to this person about Jesus. I went to the doctors and he said that this thing that was, I thought was there is not there. It can be anything on any level. But I'm telling you, God wants you to know you are children of the house who can ask for the bread of heaven. Okay, but you've got to get into the place where there's a little bit more feistiness. Does that word mean anything to you guys? Okay, you've got to be a little bit more feisty about pressing in for the kingdom. Okay, get hold of it because this is your inheritance. Don't live a life that's mundane and boring and irrelevant and, and kind of samey. Don't do samey. It's, it's just not what you were made for. And, uh, and so Jesus comes and he, he gets filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gets hold of him, verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, which is a polite English way of saying it. Um, the, 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 the Greek says ekbalon. Jesus was cast out by the Holy Spirit into the desert. Okay, he was thrust, he was thrown out of his comfort zone. Hands up, we, who, who loves being thrown out of their comfort zone? Anyone? Yeah, we all love that. Oh, I love being out of my comfort zone. I love pastors who take me out of my comfort zone when they're preaching. You know, it's all just awesome. I'm glad I'm here. Okay, so, so Jesus, the, the prototype Christian, okay, he's the prototype is filled with the Spirit, and the first thing that happens to him is, boosh, there's a big hit from left of field, and the Holy Spirit grabs him and then slams him down outside of the zone and says, you wait there for 40 days because I need to do some stuff in your life. You see, there's the humanity of Jesus as well as his divinity. You know, it'd be cool, wouldn't it, for Jesus just to live in his ninja superpower kung fu devil bashing awesomeness but one of the things he came to do was live the human life because he wants you to be encouraged that it is absolutely possible to live for God in your skin looking like you in your circumstances in your place of work in your family situation in your body in your health in your life. God has a plan for you today. Okay? Someone say okay and I'll, I'll shorten by at least two minutes. Okay? Every time I get a response, you, you're cutting time off the sermon. 
That's it. That's another 30 seconds. Spontaneous laughter. Okay, so Jesus was led and tempted by the devil. Jesus, Jesus was taken by the Holy Spirit and put in the hot zone. Okay, we don't want to be in the hot zone. We don't want to be where the arrows are flying by day and there's a deadly pestilence and there's the fowler's snare. We don't want those places. We don't like that stuff. And so we, as we, I said last night, you know, we sing our Make It Stop songs. Jesus, come and make my life so peaceful so there's nothing wrong and I can go back to sleep. Okay, you know, we, we sing those songs. But, but, you know, generations before us would, would hold up blood and fire. Oh, God of cleansing, burning flames, send your fire. It's fire we need. It's for fire we ask. Send your fire today. Look down and see this waiting host and send the Holy Ghost. It's fire we ask for. It's fire we need. Send the fire today. Because we need the power of God if we're going to be overcomers. Jesus was filled with the fire of heaven, with the fiery presence of his Father's love, with the Holy Spirit upon him in order that he would win his personal battles. And here we see those battles unfolding in the whole story. And so the devil is allowed to come and tempt Jesus gloves off in a way that he's not allowed to do with you. He has so far and no more permission over your life, okay? And you even get to say in that story, Lord, I feel like it's no more. I'd like it to be a no more moment now. <clears throat> and so along he comes and the devil starts, ding, ding, round one. Tempter came to him and said, well, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Okay, so the Father has said, through the Spirit, you're going to be in the desert and you're going to be hungry. I'm going to take away some of the, some of the comforts that your body needs. I'm going to let you drink water, but you won't be eating food, son. You're going to feel what it's like to be hungry. Isn't that interesting that one of the best and most famous um, discourses in human history the, the Sermon on the Mount is all about being hungry. How would God know to preach that in Jesus Christ had he not been hungry? See, he was immediately being taken from the big picture to the little picture. You know, my needs is the little picture. Our needs is the big picture. And so, round one is all about compromise. Can I have a, oh yeah, I've got my, what is it? Lower still, lower, down is up, down is forward. Okay, first thing, in his baptism, God says, I'm with you, son. In every situation of life that Jesus went through, that you're going through, he heard the voice of the Father saying, it's all right, son, I'm with you. Never mind, don't listen to them. Don't listen to what's being said about you. You know, they, they said of Jesus, well, you know those manifestations, Jesus? That's the devil. In fact, you're, you're working through the power of the devil. Uh, people lied about him. People cheated him. People um, tried to kill him. People tried to beat him up. Um, people abandoned him. People pretended to be his friend in order to backstab him. Okay, am I describing the human condition yet? 
Okay, we, anyone at this address? Okay, so, so Paul later said we fellowship with Christ in his sufferings in order that somehow we may attain to the power of the resurrection. You don't get to walk in victory unless there has been a battle that you won. Okay, we all want the victory, but as soon as you say, Lord, give me the victory, give us the victory, God says, okay, I'm just going to spread out my hands a little bit, and I'm going to let a few of those enemies in, and you're going to learn to fight. You're going to learn to contend. You're going to learn to be an overcomer. And so Jesus, prototype Christian, comes to the round one attack of the enemy, which is, hey, fill your boots, Jesus, with compromise. You know, you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to be this hard, Jesus. You don't have to be this difficult. You don't have to be this radical about your faith. You don't have to be this radical in your obedience to the Father. You go, just turn that stone into a, a Big Mac, and I'll even let you have fries. You, you, know, you, you know who you are. You know what, what you're capable of. Just, just tone it down, Jesus. Do you ever get the tone it down advice from someone if you're a born-again Christian? It's all right, you'll, you'll calm down. Young people, if anyone ever, ever, ever says to you, it's all right, you'll calm down. Run! Okay, never calm down. I want, I want a, a church across the nations filled with obnoxiously holy people. You know, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You know, to, be, to, to have holy rudeness. Um. Every culture thinks something else, something's rude, whether it's belching at the table or, you know, picking your nose in public, I don't know, whatever it is in your culture. Wearing a hat in church, not wearing a hat in church, you know, all of them. Um, but they're just, they're just your culture, man and woman. That's just, that's just your culture. And, and if all we do is take our cues for what's right and wrong from our culture, boy, are you lost. Boy, are you lost. You know, if, if your main source of prophecy is Fox News, boy, boy, or CNN, which would be even wilder, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> that's like the BBC. You know, I tell my church, hey, if you watch the BBC, maybe they'll get the date right. Not the weather, and every bit of news will be slanted. You know, we, we have our news report. Okay? This is the news, and it's good, and we win. And so, you know, we need to be more than our culture says we should be. And, and in fact, we need to be shapers and terraformers of culture. There are there are indices, there are echoes, there are, you know, lingering fragrances of Christianity in the American culture. <clears throat> but someone needs to spray the perfume of heaven again over your culture. Someone needs to remind this nation of its Christian heritage in the way that I'm reminding my nation of 2,000 years of Christianity in, in, in Great Britain. A.D. 45, the first Christians came over with the Roman soldiers and landed on the shores of the United Kingdom. A.D. 45. Okay, we have a bit of history. By A.D. 600, 
the soldiers, the Saxon soldiers, and they find, you know, we, we, when we dig in our fields, we find gold. Farmers, I'm just, just telling you. In fact, where I live, there's a river, and the largest hall of, Saxon, of uh, Viking treasure that has ever been found in Europe was found in the river just where I live, and it's called Valhalla's Treasure. And, um, and so, you know, you, you can get lucky plowing your field if you live in the United Kingdom. And one, and one of these guys, he's plowing his field, and he starts to notice glinting bits of gold. And there was a, there was a, a treasure hall of gold armor from the 6th century in his field. And on the armor, which was Saxon armor, were written Bible verses. Through our God we shall do valiantly. It is he who puts down the enemy. Okay, so that means by from 0 AD 45, by the 6th century, the, the Great Britain, or you know, whatever it was called at that point, was evangelized. The culture had been shifted from pagan culture to Christian culture. And if we're going to do that again, if we're going to occupy until he comes, it will require us to win some personal battles. Jesus was going to come into the Jewish culture and remind the Jewish culture of, of God's call upon them to be a light to the nations. And so he, he began that work. And the devil's in there and he's saying, no, 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 don't do it. <clears throat> <clears throat> he always has a small and stupid voice in my head. Um, so, so Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So he overcomes round one, which is compromise, which is to fit into and, and like to be popular. Okay, So if you need to be popular, you're in the wrong crowd, being a, being a born-again, spiritful Christian. Just saying. Um, it, it's, it's the temptation to compromise will, will be to succumb in your area of weakness, whatever that is. It will be to take it easy. It will be to, it'll be to throttle back a little bit. Round two, ding, ding. Okay, the devil says that didn't work. Let's think of another one. Um, okay, I tell you what. Go up on top of the temple and throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And, and so what, what's been said here is, Jesus, look, you know, I, we, I said this last night, um, you know, the, the demonic PR, um, public research, or whatever it is, came to Jesus and they said, hey, we've, we've done some surveys and, and like we, we think there's a lot easier way to do this, Jesus, for you to be recognized is just come and do some amazing miracle. Jump off the top of the temple right while it's time for church, you know, so, hey, Cameron. <laughs> Kathy's going, yes, good. <laughs> Cameron, go and stand on top of the building and throw yourself off and, and the word of God says, uh, the angels will come and snatch you up and just plonk you, that's an English word, right outside the door, and everyone will go, wow, you the man, we got to be in your church today. Go and tell all your friends, come to this church, there's a flying pastor. <laughs> okay, so, so that's what Jesus was being tempted to do. The first one was, was um, you know, compromise. The second battle that we need to overcome is that of 
of we have to reject our pride. We have to refuse compromise, and we have to reject our pride. Pride says, don't go so low. Don't go down to go forward. Go up to go forward. Okay, that's what the devil... Uh, will, why do you take that from those people? Don't they know who you are? Don't they know the job you have? Don't they know your position in the world? Don't they know this, that, and the other? How dare they speak to you like that? And Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And so we can lose... We can lose ground and we can lose the anointing at the level of compromise. We can lose ground and the anointing at the level of the pride of life, the pride of our hearts, the, the refusal. I'm not doing that job. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Someone else can do that. That's way beneath me. My first job in church as a 20-year-old was changing diapers. I didn't have any kids. I knew how to change a tire really quick. So I thought it's got to be a similar skill set. <laughs> and, uh, you know, boom, 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 and off it went and done. And that was back in the days of, t kids, you won't understand what I'm about to say. Toweling nappies. Who remembers those bad boys? Towels. We used to take a towel and wrap it around a kid's butt and let them poop in it. <laughs> and then we... We didn't throw it away or burn it. We washed it and did the same thing again. It's just medieval. <laughs> and that was my first job in church. <laughs> Down to go forward. And then I became a pastor. Same job. <clears throat> Poopy diapers. <clears throat> so... You know, the temptation to, to be something or do something flashy, the temptation upon a church to have the pow instead of going after the least, the last, and the lost. Let me tell you how to, how to change your community. You know, go to the garbage dump. Go to the last. Go to the least of these. Okay, go find those people. Uh, <clears throat> and you'll be accused of, well, you know, you're just making rice Christians. We have free community cafes. We feed about 500 people a week in my church. One of our campuses is in the poorest place in the United Kingdom. Highest pregnancy rates, 3,000 HIVs. Um, highest death from heroin injection in the United Kingdom. And I ran into that place thinking, I'm, I'm in heaven. This is where you want me to be, Jesus. Because I knew he would be there ahead of me. And... You know, go and do that work. Go and find those people. Go and minister life to those people. And um, I can't, I wouldn't, okay, we do baptisms, 10 at a time. And um, <clears throat> we just baptized a kid who was really nervous because when he was eight, his mum tried to drown him in the bath. Okay, so will, will you, you're not going to hold me under, are you? Okay, we, there are just so many of those stories out there. So many, you know, and, and you think, oh, well, you know, not in our, not in our neighborhood. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. And, and you, you will have poverties to address in your community, okay? I, I'm telling you physical poverty, you know, I have no food. That, that's material poverty. But you've got spiritual poverty. I, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company. I'm the head honcho, but my life is empty. Okay, that's another one. 
let me tell you about poverty of identity. I don't know who I am. Nobody likes me. I'm going I'm to commit suicide or I'm going to do this out of the other. That's another one. Poverty of identity. Poverty of community. The elderly who get just too old to come out. And so they sit day after day after day in aching loneliness. Address that poverty. <clears throat> poverty of, of hope and opportunity. Kids who have to travel, go to leave, leave town because there are no jobs for them. You know, you may think, well, we can't do anything about that. Yeah, you can. You can begin to pray. Because if you pray for the city where you live, if it prospers, you prosper. You know, one of the things we just drove past a new factory being built with Cameron two days ago, and he said, oh, that's good for the town. Amen to that. Bless that place that's being built. Bless the jobs that are going to be formed. You know, get involved with those poverties. And Jesus came to get involved in our poverty, and he rejected, well, he didn't reject. He, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, becoming human in likeness, and dying on a cross. Okay? That's your template for living. Philippians 2, 1 to 11. <clears throat> Round three. Devil comes back at him again. How are we doing for time? Someone shout at me. Are we there? Okay, flaps down. Fashion your seatbelts. I'm going to land the plane. Okay, and finally, 57thly, I'd just like to say, Jesus recoils from the invitation to worship idols. Uh, okay, it's down for forward. Okay. Um, I said last night, how do you feel about a, a recluse spider walking up your arm? You'd probably want to get that thing off, wouldn't you? Okay? And in the same way, we should shake off the temptation to go after idols, comfort blankets, pacifiers, um, uh, all kinds of different things that we think, well, I'll j I, w I can't get what I want, so I'll settle for this. <clears throat> and the devil said to Jesus, took him on a high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, and he says, all of this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. <clears throat> just, just choose the dark side. Just choose, choose the shortcut, is what he was being told. You've come to save the world. Well, I can give you that on these conditions. I can help you with your mission, Jesus. I can help you with your mission. You know, just go and smoke some dope with your mates. Because then they'll think you're down with them. And it'll be okay. Then, then they'll be able to listen to you. You know, you can, you can hear it, can't you? That, that when you stand up for Jesus <clears throat> and you take a stand against moral corruption or, or some of the standards of this world, you know, the enemy's, the pushback is, you know, I'm going to isolate you. I'm going to make you look stupid in front of everybody. But if you will just compromise on this one issue, if you'll just stay silent on that, then I'll, I'll give you all of these people who will be a circle of adoring friends around you. you know, that's an idol. Okay, stand up for Jesus when everybody else is bowing down to darkness. Give me an amen.
Okay, that's time off the sermon. <clears throat> and so, conclusion, push through. Uh, and the Bible says the devil left him for a while. And the angels came and attended him. You know, you're going you're gonna to have some battles to get through, but each one will make you stronger. It may look like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by the Lord and his angels. And God's coming to strengthen you today with power in your innermost being. He's going to give you might on the inside. Okay? And, and that will make you, yes, the enemy will press you, but you will not be crushed. Okay? He will press you, but you will push back harder than he can push in. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's stand together, shall we? Final approach. Father, I thank you for this precious house. Thank you that every win of every person on every day that they say yes to Jesus and no to the world is a win for the team. Father, strengthen this house. Let every living stone be set in its place. When we look at heaven, we see that each gate was in its place. Every material was set in the place it was meant to be. Father, you have a purpose for every person stood in this room today. You have a purpose for their lives. You have a journey for them. You have good works that they are to do that you have already prepared and given grace for success. Father, we just throw off every lie of defeat, every lie of the enemy that says it's too hard, it's too much, we can't do it. Father, we have power in the name of Jesus. We have the authority of heaven because we have the humility of Christ. We know we need the Spirit of God today. So come and fill every person in this room with power right now. Let the fire fall on everybody and everybody would know that their Savior, their Redeemer lives. And that, Lord, when we're in the boat in the middle of the storm, Lord, we don't see the storm, we see the Savior. And He's at rest. And Father, if He is at rest, all is well. Thank you, Jesus. You are now seated on the throne of heaven. You have taken up your right to rule. Come and rule in this place. Bring your governmental authority into this church and into every person. Lord, let this week look astoundingly better and different to last week. Father, I thank you for the testimonies of your grace that are going to be spoken at this altar next week. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Hey, guys, we're going to get ready to, to take our offering, our tithes and offering for the service, if that could just uh, get prepared.